Hey, welcome to the podcast. Today is part two of my interview with my good friends, Mike Howard and Randy Weir. In this, we're going to spend a little time talking about Randy, who um, was with us from the very beginning, helped plant two other churches, a couple of wild and crazy stories, and then pastored bivocationally. He's a building contractor and pastored in Ventura, California for a lifetime. Uh, exciting stories good examples you're going to benefit from this randy take us back to to some of those times that you remember well as you do one of the things that bothered me about what mike just said is he talked about his church and discipleship classes i yeah. get so frustrated when i hear the word classes you know we we were doing fellowships mini churches whatever we called them but they were ongoing people had a chance to fall in love with each other uh, stick together. They didn't last for six weeks and then we take a hiatus. You know, I was in a church where uh, they'd go for eight weeks and then they break for a month and then everybody mixes up and goes to a new group. And they were kind of based on a curriculum. Uh, our curriculum was always, you know, what you heard on the weekend or it was just an ongoing Bible study, but it was a little church within a church and, and we seem to have lost that. Talk, yes. talk about Randy, your memories of those kind of times and, and what you see today, because and then but but as you do that, kind of introduce what you did over the years, because you were a okay. bivocational pastor for a long time, swinging yeah. a hammer and, and then leading a church. Talk about those things. Uh, yeah. You, you know, if you go back, Jerry Cook, you know, what an impact he had, you know, in your life, my life, you know, that love, acceptance, forgiveness. I got it right here in front of me. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of the books that I took some of the guys through, you know, but, you know, the church is missing it. You know, Ralph, what you did and, and like guys like Chuck Smith and those guys, they loved us just the way we came in and they didn't try and put us, like you said, you know, Bible college trying to make you wear the tie, try and do that. You know, that first church trying to get us to suit up and all that. <laughs> But we met, we, the church doesn't love people anymore. Yeah. That's one of the, the things that hurts my heart. And I know it hurts the father's heart a lot. If yeah. we just start loving people and accepting them and forgiving them, just people will come. They, they, they want those kind of things. You know, they truly, truly do. And uh, I think it, it's that simple. Jesus said, what, you'll know you're my disciples, they'll know that you're my disciples because you love one another. The church doesn't love exactly. even the other church members anymore, you know? I mean, <laughs> you got to get over this whole kind of thing, you know? I mean, forget about the agendas, you know? It's about the mission to go make disciples, you know? And that's kind of what you've, you've asked me to do. Um, yeah, you know, not classes. I mean, you know, that's how it is. I guess I guess the first guy that really got me kind of settled down that's when you sent me and my wife out, the only married couple down in the Culver City where we live, to go plant the second church, <laughs> you know, with that crazy Italian guy named Gary Smarty. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, was so impulsive and so crazy and stuff like that. You sent me down here, you know. I mean, I'm enthusiastic, but oh my gosh, I mean, he, he was crazy. Look, one time he called me up and, and he said, hey, he said, I tore down uh, the platform. I said, what do you mean to tore down the platform, man? I go, we got church on Sunday or something, you know, and he'd be in a car. I'd go down and fix his mess and stuff and straighten it all out. 
But what he ended up doing is he took us through the Navigator's uh, Design for Discipleship. And it's, uh, you know, it's six, eight books or something like that. I still have them up there. I've updated them. And it's just going through scripture. That's all that it is. Going through scripture and, you know, dealing with different issues, you know, that a Christian might have in their life. I mean, you name it from A to Z. I mean, finances, relationships, getting the word in your life, having prayer, you know, all of that. And uh, I remember Gary, after he, he took up through that, and, you know, my wife and a couple of the other people, he said, now you go and do it. Do the same thing. Grab a couple of guys. And I looked around and said, okay, I see that guy. I see that guy. I started taking them through, you know, those books and uh, their life started changing. You know, the word changes lives. I mean, it, I was thinking about that this week, man. It's just, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It just, it changes your life. It it's still to this day, you know, I'm back helping another church start now. And so I'm back in the pulpit again. And I love doing that. And I was just telling him recently last Saturday, I, I said, you know, I said, here's this old guy I've been following Jesus for over 50 years. I read certain things in the scripture and it still comes alive. I go, I never saw that before. Yeah. Uh -huh. But, you know, uh, I, I'm still using that book, you know, and I go through, we don't call it a discipleship class i don't think it's a class i think it's just hanging out and having fellowship and teaching the word and going through it and stuff i did one with a a, a good group of people and it took us i mean it's about a 26 or 28 week thing that you would have to go through this one took us like a year and a half yeah and, and what comes out of that is you build fellowship and you get to know people in the group and you know um yeah, people say crazy things sometimes when it comes to the scripture. You know, they'll 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 answer the question, and I'm going, oh, in my mind, I'm going, oh gosh, this is wild. <laughs> but I'll never say anything, like that. and I'll say, I'll just say, hey, Sky, what do you think that 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 has to say? And just letting people talk and dialogue through all of that. And uh, I tell you, I I still teach it to this day. You know, and and then like you know, taking people through books. Ralph, I mean, I got that from you, you know, I mean, that's what you did with the guys at, at Hope Promosa, and uh, it, it changes lives, man, it, it opens you up to just seeing things maybe a little bit different, you, you know what I mean, and, uh, you know, Ralph, you kind of started, you said, well, you know, you guys might have a different perspective than, than I have on that, well, yeah, we all do, you know, you, you, you see something differently. I see the back of my hand. You guys see the front of my hand. And if you describe it, just like the gospel writers do, they're not always the same, you know, but uh, yeah, discipleship is key. I mean, the new church is called movement and we're on the go, go to go make disciples. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, that's what it's all about. I, I just got done teaching on section of uh, Mark chapter five in that section of the demonic guy living up in the garrisons. What a wild story. So isolated. So, you know, didn't have conversation, had no touch. Had no, It's like what people experienced during the whole COVID thing. And he sees Jesus thinking this guy might help me, man. And he just runs down, you know, and, and his life. And what did he do? He wanted to go with Jesus to be part of the 12 apostles, you know, and, and Jesus said, I got a better plan for you. Yeah. I'm going to make you the first missionary to the Gentile region up there in the Decapolis. Mm -hmm. 
I was thinking, gosh, man, he was the forerunner for the apostle Paul, who was, you know what I mean? The preacher to the Gentiles. So it's constantly just seeing new people and believing in people and releasing people to, you know, they can do it, man. You know, that's another thing, Ralph, I mean, that you taught us, you know, you, you trusted us, you know, just like Jesus. Yeah. I tell people all the time, Jesus trusts you more than you trust yourself. Yeah. You're not really going to mess it up. You know what I mean? And if you do, I'll fix it, you know. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if there's more there. Um, there's always more stuff. But I well, still. In, in your life, what I see, I mean, you were faithful pastoring that church for all those years. And uh, and it was tough because I remember coming up there and and I, and I think we made a mistake. Um, and it's a mistake a lot of people are making today. Uh, we expect a guy to be bivocational, and I think that's the way of the future. And then to 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 carry the load, all the, the overhead of a facility, of rents, leases, uh, you know, all that stuff. And um, I, I see a lot of guys. One of my friends, uh, Ryan Delameter in Orange <coughs> County, they they started a string of churches now in coffee shops, and they meet on. Um, like Tuesday nights in a coffee shop and they, they got like 60 kids when they're big, maybe 80. And then when it's small, they're down to 20. But yeah. they, what the, what they, with the key, what they found was uh, no overhead. They, the coffee shop closes at 5 PM. They start their thing at about six 30. It goes to 10 sometimes. It's like we were in the old days and they, um, so the no overhead, and they and so they can rapidly plant churches and so they're in all these expensive southern california beach towns where you are not going to go in and you know rent a big building because there aren't even big buildings to rent or buy a piece of land all that kind of stuff and and so they're popping out churches like right and left and with young guys one one guy in costa mesa california um had been working with a big church there that we all know and as a janitor and they were talking about, well, we'll send you to our Bible college someday or whatever. And uh, my friend Ryan got the guy, helped the guy start a church. And right away, there's 60 kids. And the pastor is 20 years old. And yeah. uh, they're, they're, and, and these guys, it's a weird thing. But they attract the surfers. And so you see kind of young, you know, like you guys were when you're young and just, you know, trying to get started in life and and in water and was everything to you, you know, how are the waves today? But then yeah. they got a whole bunch of like attorneys that are surfers. Mm -hmm. They're, they're wealthy. And, uh, and, and they, you know, they collect tithes and all that, but, but they're able to give it away. And so what they're doing is they're, they're providing clean water in communities around the world. Like they're going to Bangladesh. Nice. Uh, they got something in El Salvador and they're, and they're they're buying these desalinization plants and putting them in places. And then when they go, that gives them entree to plant a church in, you know, sometimes like a Muslim country. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, just, it's all upside down from what the church that we see is all about. And, and it's uh, incredible. I talked to a guy this morning who's pastoring a church in a denomination. It's small. It's got a lot of money because the people are old the building is paid for they you know they're retirees almost all of them are retirees and, and they're, they're tithing so there's plenty of money there and so frustrated and 
So, so he's, he wants to hook up with the coffee, coffee shop guys and go out and relaunch. And I, and I think there's, there's opportunity that we just, you know, are not looking at. When I see you, Mike, and I know you live in Tahoe and I know you're a ski instructor, all that. And you said the last time we talked, you're thinking about trying to make some disciples in the ski industry. I look at all these pockets of people. You know, we, we self-identify around our friends, around our sports, around the bar we hang out in, whatever. Uh, the, when, when Jesus talks about taking the disciple, the, the gospel to the nations in Matthew 28, the Greek word that's used there, ethne, means a people group. Yeah, and we see it as ethnic, means the color of your skin. I see it as, you know, a bunch of, you know, ski bums or a bunch of, you know, our friend Danny doing stuff with skaters in, yep. in Santa Cruz or surfers in Santa Cruz. And, and there, there's these pockets of people who are not coming to us. We're going to have to figure out how to go to them. And we're going to have to have exactly. a different structure than we have. Talk back. Yeah, and that's you know uh, we ex and you know back back we expected God to move. We expected uh, Him to do things when we ask. I mean, you know, favorite story that I'd forgotten until I got back together with Randy is uh, Randy and I were taking off on a surf trip up north, and we prayed and said, God, give us somebody to witness to on the way. So we're driving in Randy's van, and it's pouring rain. And I think it was in the San Fernando Valley, Randy, somewhere where uh, yeah. your wiper on the passenger side went flying off. Yeah. So we pulled, pulled off at a gas station and uh, they got the wiper and there's a guy there hitchhiking. And of course, back then you picked up hitchhikers a lot more than you would now. Yeah. And he said, hey, you guys going up north? And Randy and I just looked at each other like, yep, there's an answer prayer. <laughs> so we we started driving and uh we witnessed a guy this guy and randy talk and then i talk i mean talk about anointing i mean you know it's just bam bam i mean it just on and on and on and at some point during the night uh i can't remember we decided to take him all the way where he was going which way past where we were going he was going to san francisco <laughs> and uh so that you know we just said, and I think Randy said, well, what do you think? And I said, yeah, let's do it. And at some point, the guy gets saved during, during the night. And then uh, he got to the point where we couldn't drive any longer. And so we pulled over somewhere, crashed in the van, get up the next morning, and it's still pouring rain. And this guy, brand new believer, he looks out and goes, man, it's a beautiful morning. It's like, it's just awesome. <laughs> we take him all the way to where he's going. And I can't remember if we actually went to church that night after that and we drove back or not, or at least was close to it. But yeah, so we drove all the way up, all the way back, never even saw the surf because by the time we got to where the surf was, it was, I mean, it was dark again. And so both ways, we never even saw the surf. Yeah. But there's at least one more and who knows how many more in the kingdom of God because we listened. Yeah. You know, because we were obedient, uh, you know, to what, you know, we were supposed to do. And uh, we just made a friend out of this guy. It wasn't a hit and miss thing. I mean, we spent hours with this guy. It's a six hour drive one way. Wow. So uh, uh, that's that's that friendship thing. And I have the same creepy vibe about discipleship classes you do. Uh, you know, I don't go to those. Uh, uh 
I mean, they, they, they can serve a purpose. And I get a sense that the lead pastor is spending individual time with the guys. Now, in, in our particular case, it started out with 22 people, which would be really too many to spend time with. Well, now it's not quite a year. They're down to seven. So it's down to a manageable number for the lead pastor to spend some time. And I guess it's, I don't know if it's once a week or not, but uh, he spends some time with each of these guys. I'm not, you know, I still don't think that's, it's nowhere close to the same because I remember eating at dinner at your house, Ralph, you know, when uh, we were young, I remember Carl crawling around on the floor uh, and, you know, going surfing with you, going skiing with you, uh, doing life together. Yeah. That's what we did. We did life together. And it's not like we came to church and then we had all this separate interests and all these separate friends. Uh, we really became a community. And when I talk about we became a community, that's what I mean. We were each other's friends, sometimes best friends. And then we reached out into the community yeah. and more came. That's what we're missing. It, I just don't see it. In, and I've been to several because I've moved around uh, since I came back to the Lord. And uh, I haven't really seen it. So, uh, and I've been in one of the non-denominational, larger denominations for a while now. Teaching's good. Uh, I think we're missing it, though. You know, we talk a lot about um, attractional churches. And, and for many, what that means is you start a church, you got to have uh, excellent uh, acoustics. Uh, you got to have big worship band that, you know, really cranks out. One of the problems I see is guys go start a new church and, and they'll go hire the best musicians away from other churches. And mm -hmm. to me, that's horrible. Uh, I, I've always felt like if you can't raise up your own staff members, something's wrong with you. You know, we've, yeah. we've only in my whole life, three different times, <clears throat> we, uh, we hired somebody from the outside. And that wouldn't include my son. We hired him from the outside, but he was one of us. He grew up, you know, in the system. And when, when he went to the outside, we were mad because we felt like we got ripped off. We brought him back and, and I'm really happy to have him in the fold. But there were three different people that we, um, that we hired from the outside in, in my whole life. And two of them were abject failures. The other one was Dale Yancey, uh, who had been the cartoonist for the Hollywood Free Paper but went on to back to New, New Hampshire, planted churches, and, and the whole movement of churches. You know, everybody at the time was saying New England is dead. The gospel mm -hmm. will never penetrate New England, all that. There's all these churches. They call them harvest chapels right there. But Dale led a guy named Tom to the Lord. They were always arguing with each other, these two guys, but they loved each other. And Tom, Dale sends Tom out to plant a church. Uh Tom planted like 16 churches out of a village of 6,000 people in New Hampshire. And one of those guys, his name is Joe Mabe. And he and Tom are always, they're still arguing. And, um, <laughs> and yet they still love each other. Tom has gone on to do some incredible things. He's the oldest, longest living case of cystic fibrosis in the history of New Hampshire. Wow. And fighting this disease, he's just so fruitful and did so many things. He and his wife, Catherine, amazing people. But Joe um, started a Hope Chapel in Keene, New Hampshire. They, they bought a TV station, of all things. But he, he started sending guys out. There's a guy named Rob that I met. 
And then each one of these guys found the Lord in the church that discipled them and then sent them out to pastor a church. And that, that thing goes nine generations deep. It spreads real wide. There's, yeah. there's probably 50 churches back there, but there's nine generations, uh, starting with me, a kid, a 20 year old named Jeff Fisher that we sent to San Fernando Valley to plant a church. And we actually sent Dale with him to babysit him. Uh, we didn't pay Jeff, we paid Dale. And that grew into a, a substantial church. They've planted a bunch. Uh, Jeff is currently in Missouri planting a new church. And uh, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. But it's always been fellowship based. It's always been based on the word. Uh, it, it is never, and yet it slips into that. For me, it slipped into this for a while, that it becomes an attractional model in that the leader is a pretty good Bible teacher. So, you know, the old mantra back in the 70s, you got to go where you get fed. Um, while people are coming, feed me, feed me, feed me. Well, that's what you do to babies is you feed them. Yeah. And that's what you do to senile old people. You feed them. But healthy people feed themselves. And so mm -hmm. trying to build a community of people who can feed themselves. And, and that's what we had with you guys. It was like, I, I remember in those days, uh, everybody was popping off running a Bible study. And, um, that, you know, it was, uh, it was just amazing to see how, how things would just flourish in these little micro communities all over everywhere. And then, you know, we'd get together on the weekend and hang out and it was, it was great and sloppy at the same time. You know, um, we, we used to say, uh, a, a phrase that we had was we want to be tacky, but neat. In, in other words, we want things to really work together well. But, it, but it's got a rough edge to it because we don't want it to look professional because I had come out of the whole professional thing. 